Hello, this is the Scripture Study Project, our podcast that is dedicated to helping you discover the scriptures in a fresh way. Invest your mind and heart into your personal study and connect to God in your everyday life. We are your hosts, Krista and Zach Horton. Um, This is season three, going on our third year, 2020, our study of the Book of Mormon. Today's episode we will be studying in First Nephi, um, chapters one through seven. So, episode two of this Book of Mormon year. This episode probably appeared in your podcast feed pretty closely after our last episode, the first episode of the season appeared. So, if you haven't had a chance to jump back and listen to episode one, which was about the introductory pages in the Book of Mormon, and really kind of about our mission as a podcast um, and a new thesis, and a new way for you to read the Book of Mormon. It's definitely worth a listen. I think it'll make a big difference in how you interact with us in the podcast and how you study the Book of Mormon this year. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that, go back and listen to episode one of this season. Yeah, we took a little break from the new year, so that episode didn't get aired on our usual Monday, but we will be back from now on this year. Um, at getting our episodes out to you first thing Monday morning so that you have the week to listen. Um, Give this a, be kind of that beginning to your study um, and frame what we're going to be studying that week. So we are back. We're excited to be here and excited to really dig right into this study and get going. I want to start with one of my favorite verses in the beginning parts of the Book of Mormon. This is 1 Nephi chapter 2, verse 16. This dives us right into the middle of this story of Lehi, Nephi, and their family. Uh, you'll remember, of course, that uh, Lehi has received a vision as the prophet and as the leader of this family that uh, their family is to leave Jerusalem, wander into the wilderness, um, because Jerusalem will be destroyed. It's a very Uh, far-fetched sounding idea to some of the family. And we always simplify the story and say, well, Laman and Lemuel were the knuckleheads and they didn't want to do it, but Nephi and Sam were the righteous ones and they did want to do it. But you know families. No one is perfectly righteous, nor is anyone perfectly wicked. Uh, Nephi, in writing this story, is probably writing it 30 or 40 years after the fact. And as we mentioned in our last episode, his focus is on the Lord and what the Lord has done, not necessarily uh, transcribing every detail and emotion that happened in the minds of all of his family members. So with that being said, chapter 2, verse 16, I love because it humanizes Nephi just a little bit, helps me relate to him more, and I think gives us a hint at what these chapters have to teach us, not just about Nephi, but about the Lord and the way that he interacts with his children. So, chapter 2, verse 16. It came to pass that I, Nephi, being exceedingly young, nevertheless being large in stature, and also having great desires to know the mysteries of God, wherefore I did cry unto the Lord, and behold, he did visit me and did soften my heart, that I did believe all the words which had been spoken by my father. Wherefore, I did not rebel against him like unto my brothers. Verse 17 and 18 explain his brothers, and verse 18 especially their rebellion. And then verse 19, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto me, because in verse 18 I cried unto him. 
That phrase, and that's the title of this episode, the Lord spake unto me, and in verse 16, he did visit me, always catches my attention because look at what the Lord does to Nephi in verse 16. He softens his heart. Dumb question. If his heart was softened, what was the state of his heart before it was softened? Nephi, most likely as a teenage son, probably, especially if he had older brothers that were already critical of this, probably had his own problems, doubts, uh, questions, and maybe even a bit of a rebellious hard heart towards what his father was commanding them to do, just like Laman and Lemuel did. Um, We often cast Nephi as this uh, model of perfect obedience which he is and became a wonderfully obedient person. In fact, one of the last things he says in his writings is, I must obey. But he started just like you and I start, and that is with a hard heart that has rebellion and doubts in it. And the Lord softens his heart. He visits him and talks to him. And so in our last, well, two seasons ago, in our very first season of the Scripture Study Project, when we studied this block of scripture, we focused on Nephi and we asked the question of what Nephi did to become a man of God. Later on in chapter four, he'll say that he was a man large in stature. And here it says that he was a young man large in stature. And so in those chapters, he did some things that helped him to grow. It's a great study. If you want to go back two seasons ago, I think it's episode three. The audio quality is probably horrible. We were recording in our closet and uh, it took us multiple efforts multiple efforts to get an actual episode that we could put up. But if you want to go back and listen to it, it's a great listen. This episode, as we mentioned in our introductory episode to this season, we want to focus on the Lord and what he does. And so here's our specific question. In these chapters, one through seven, what's the Lord doing? Well, he sees his people and even specifically this family in turmoil, and he wants to preserve them, he wants to deliver them, and he wants to prepare a place for them. And so to do that, he's going to do what he's always done, and that is he's going to talk to them. Jesus in the New Testament solved problems by speaking, by teaching, and then by commanding people to be whole. The Lord in the Book of Mormon follows a very similar pattern. He commands, he exhorts, he instructs, and he guides. And so our question for this episode is, how does the Lord talk to his children? Can I make a little joke in here about Nephi being large in stature? I think it's kind of funny that he's going back 40 years and he has to keep bringing that up. (laughs) (laughs) We get it. He was working out a lot. Okay. (laughs) Just kidding. No, but really, I loved um, some of those points that you brought up of really seeing where Nephi has come and the experiences that he's had. Um, And like you mentioned, he's, you know, most likely recording this story years later. But the first thing that he starts with um, is how the Lord spake to him Mm -hmm. and how he learned this. And so this time, as I read this first Nephi, you know, first chapter, first verse, most read scripture in the Book of Mormon, certainly in my life, that's true. Um, But I I felt like it was different this time. Um, I, Nephi, having been born of goodly parents, therefore I was taught somewhat in all the learning of my father, and having seen many afflictions in the course of my days, nevertheless having been highly favored of the Lord in all my days, 
yea, having had a great knowledge of the goodness and the mysteries of God. Therefore, I make a record of my proceedings in my days. So often I think we read that as like, okay, here goes his story. But this is really his glimpse back of like, the Lord has been really good to me in spite of my afflictions. I feel highly favored of the Lord. He's done all of these things to me. And here's how I've seen that happen. Um, And I just love his first point that he has learned this from his father. Um, Isn't it interesting to look at these ways that here's all the ways that God was speaking to him and starting off Nephi really learned how to speak with the Lord because he was learning from his father. Um, And that is how he learned the goodness and the mysteries of God or how it all started for him. It's kind of cool to think of that as a frame for chapter one is it's here's the Lord talking to Lehi, but it's also here's the Lord talking to Nephi through the example of Lehi. And so you kind of get a double frame here of what do I learn about how the Lord talks to me by looking at the example of Lehi? And what do I learn about how the Lord talks to me by looking at the example of Nephi as he looks at the example of Lehi, if that's not yeah, confusing. Yeah, if we're making sense. So, and the beginning of that verse that Zach already read, um, here was Nephi, someone who had those great desires to know the mysteries of God. And I wonder why. Because look at this father that he was he was looking. He was seeing um, God preparing his father and he thought, you know what? I want to feel that too. I want to experience those same things um, because he gives this whole first of chapter, all of chapter one is really that him seeing um, Lehi experience some of these first, or I don't know if it's his first visions and experiences, but maybe one of the ones that Nephi saw. Um, he sees him, it says in verse six, he saw and heard much that it did cause him to quake and tremble exceedingly. And then um, he was carried away in a vision in verse 8. And verse 12, it came to pass that as he read this book, he was filled with the Spirit of the Lord. Um, And his soul did rejoice in chapter 15, and his whole heart was filled. So here's a young boy who might be young, but he was large in stature, as we know. Um, He was seeing this and learning this. And, you know, I think God knew that. I think that God planted Lehi and a curious son who was ready to learn. I think he was preparing that ground for Nephi to say, if you watch your dad, you're going to see a great man and you're going to become that too. So your answer to the question of how does God talk to us is he talks to us through the example of our family members or through our example of others? Oh yeah, for sure, right? Because... It's kind of cool to think about that in the greater scope of things because certainly that was one of the reasons that Lehi was experiencing these things because as we move on, which we're going to talk about next, I think that's why Lehi knew with so much importance that he needed to send his sons back to get the records, right? Mm -hmm. Because the same thing, we need the records to remind us and show us that God can speak to us. Mm. So we need the stories of other peoples, but certainly we need the story of each other too. It's cool. So he he speaks to us through living examples, through our parents or through our siblings or through our friends, through their examples. And then he speaks to us through the examples of the ancients, through scriptures and through uh, general conference stories and through the experiences of others. But God speaks to us through people. Yeah. And that's kind of the part I skipped over in verse 11, but... 
the book that was shown unto him in hmm. this vision. I mean, maybe this was the, one of the reasons that he knew it was important to go back and get the records, but that these records, these experiences that other people have can teach us so much about how God speaks to each of us and how much we can learn from those. It's cool. It kind of ties in with um, the theme scripture for the year for the youth, First Nephi 3.7. And of course, the focus phrase of that is and has been, rightfully so, the go and do. Nephi says, I will go and do. But I love the entirety of the verse because it explains not just what Nephi does, but why he does it. Uh, he says to his father, I will go and do the things which the Lord has commanded, for I know that the Lord gives no commandments to the children of men, save he shall prepare a way for them that they may accomplish the thing which he commandeth them. In other words, Nephi goes and do's, that's an appropriate <laughs> way to say it, not because, and, and he could have said this a hundred different ways, not that any of these would have been bad, but he could have said, you know, I know that Moses was able to accomplish great things. And so I'm going to go and do like Moses did. Or I know that Joshua had great faith and that he stepped forward with great faith. And, and I'm, so I'm going to do the same thing that Joshua did. But that's not what Nephi's saying. His example here is, I'm going to go and do because I know the Lord is able to make a way for me to accomplish things. How did he learn that? Well, of course, through a study of the scriptures. And he just has this very relevant example of his father. I know that the Lord prepares a way for people to do things. He prepared a way for my father to do what he needed to do. He prepared a way for those people in the scriptural past to do what they need to do. And I know that he can prepare a way for me to do what I need to do. Well, and if I might add this in too, that Nephi's looking back on this story. And so in hindsight, this is what he's experienced. Like, I know that the Lord, I wonder mm -hmm. what, had he been writing that, as the moment was happening in this, I wonder what he would have said. He might have said, I'm going to take a chance on this because this scripture that I read or the story my father told, he said that this would work. So in the moment, maybe that's what he was pulling off of. But in hindsight, he can say, I now know that these things happen because I have experienced them myself. So good. So our answers so far, at least from our study, and you'll find so many more in yours, but we're answering the question of how does the Lord talk to us? How does he talk to me? Well, he talks to us through the example of others, through people, through those in our close immediate circle. And then he talks to us through the examples of people in the past. As we read the scriptures, that's a way for God to talk to us. I think we harped on this probably way too much last season, and I'm sure it'll come up this season. But um, one of the things that we mentioned in the study record is that it is powerful to learn from the scriptural past, to look at an example from the past and say, how does that apply to me? But God is able to take scripture and make it living scripture, which means as you're reading, he is able to take a phrase, and you've had this experience before, where he takes a phrase or an idea or a prompting from the scripture, and it's not that you're applying it from 2,000 years ago to today, it's that he is highlighting it for you in the present and speaking to you in the very moment. And so I love this idea that God speaks to us through the examples of others, whether it's living, scriptural past, scriptural present, whatever. He, he speaks to us through other people. It, it's kind of just cool and also um, makes me feel really grateful for so many people around me, for people that have shared spiritual experiences in the proper setting that make me go, wow, they experienced that and... I want to try it too. And I think that's a lot of what Nephi has done is 
his dad shared things with him and he watched his father and he watched faithful examples and it made him have this curiosity and have these amazing experiences. And so there's so much power um, in sharing those experiences that we have with God. The answer I found uh, comes in chapter four. Again, the story is fairly well known. So Nephi and his brothers now have to go back at the command of Lehi to get the plates from Laban. They have three different attempts, and it's a great study to look at the three different attempts and what the differences were. But one difference I found is uh, the first two attempts obviously don't work, and they seem to not work because Nephi and his brothers are relying on their own strength. The first attempt is we're going to go in and just by sheer force of charisma persuade Laban to give us the plates. We're going to ask him. Of course, that doesn't work. The second attempt is we're going to go get all of our money and we're going to see if we can buy the plates from him. And that doesn't work. And then Nephi, again, sharing his testimony of what the Lord can do, says this. At the end of chapter 3, Laman and Lemuel are abusing Nephi and Sam. The angel stops them. And then, of course, they murmur, verse 31, saying, How is it possible that the Lord will deliver Laban into our hands? And then chapter 4, verse 1, there probably shouldn't be a chapter break there because the next verse just is Nephi's response. I spake to my brethren, saying, Let us go up again to Jerusalem, and let us be faithful in keeping the commandments of the Lord. For behold, he is mightier than all the earth. And then verse 3, I love this. Behold, you know that this is true, and you also know that an angel has spoken to you. Wherefore can you doubt? Let us go up. The Lord is able to deliver us even as our fathers, and to destroy Laban, even as the Egyptians. And here he is bringing up those scriptural examples, giving that, you know, just that point that we were just talking about. Um, Here he is taking that knowledge that he has from those stories. So God has talked to him through scripture study and through the experiences of his family and proved to him that he's able to deliver them. So Nephi knows that. And so he does attempt three different than he did the other attempts. Verse six, I was led by the spirit, not knowing beforehand the things which I should do, because if I can insert my phrase in here, I know that the Lord is able to deliver me. So I'm not going to rely on my wealth or on my own intelligence. I'm going to rely on him. Verse seven, one of my favorite phrases, nevertheless, I went forth. And then of course the story unfolds. God does provide a way. Um, Laban is found, he's drunk. And then Nephi has this back and forth interchange, this wrestle with the spirit um, where he, where it's revealed to him exactly what he is to do and how he's supposed to get the plates. Two points I love from this story, at least for me. Number one, um, I have a personal testimony of this, that God speaks to me just like he did here to Nephi in movement. Um, I think it was President Hinckley that once famously said, the way to get an answer to your prayers isn't on your knees, it's on your feet. One of my mission presidents was always fond of saying that, that say your prayers in the morning about where you should go and which street you should go down and which door you should knock on, but don't sit in your apartment staring at the map on your wall waiting for a street to light up or a whisper to come that you should go to such and such a street. Go out your door, start walking around, and as you're moving, God will speak to you. He will tell you in the way what it is that you're supposed to do. He's able to deliver you, and so rely on him. 
The second point that I like about this, closely related, is that God invites us to participate in the revelatory process. Read the interchange between Nephi and the Spirit of the Lord, this back and forth. As Nephi is allowed to voice his concerns and his questions and his doubts, the Spirit responds with answers and confirmations, reminds him of things that he's heard his father say and things that he's felt in his own life. And I love the truth that this revelatory process is a back and forth. Um, It's not a lightning bolt answer from heaven. It's often a discussion where I say something and then I read something or hear something and God talks to me and I talk to him and back and forth. Well, not only that back and forth, but also he allows that wrestle to happen. I mean, in those previous experiences that he had of the attempts that didn't work, um, I think there was a lot of learning that Nephi did in that process that I think allowed him to have this more powerful experience and be led in the spirit in a more light-filled way, I guess you could say, be more confident in what he was doing. One of my favorite phrases I learned from a friend of mine, shout out Devin, as we were talking about things last year was he used this wonderful phrase, the messiness of revelation. Because one side of the revelatory process is God, but the other side is me, and I'm a messy, human, fallible person, the revelatory process can sometimes be confusing. As I'm talking to God and he's talking to me, sometimes I misunderstand things, or I'm not sure about things, or I have questions or concerns. And I love that this story illustrates that about the Lord, that he's persistent and will continue to talk to me and speak to me until I'm convinced and do the right thing. He won't give up. Um, And I love that this story illustrates that because it's been very true for me. Yeah, I think that messiness is the, I don't know, almost the beauty. I think that same, the messiness of it, the wrestle of it, I think is really where the beauty and the rawness of a relationship with, with God comes forth as we experience those those hard moments, even like Nephi says, his afflictions. Um, I think many of us can attest to that, that it's through those hard moments, whether that's, you know, battles with something or battles with our faith, that um, we come to know God in deeper and more meaningful ways as we see him guiding us and as we seek him um, in those moments. And it's kind of cool to be able to see Nephi's experience in that way. In fact, I like that um, we kind of see this, maybe even one of these struggles that we were mentioning um, in Sariah as we see her story. This is in um, chapter 5, starting in verse 6. We kind of see her um, having struggles in wondering why she followed her husband out here and now her sons aren't coming back and why is she here? I'm sure at least I'm thinking, yeah, I can identify with those sort of feelings. Um, wait, why did I come here? What am I doing? Where, where is this taking me? Um, but in chapter, in verse six, after this manner of language, did my father Lehi comfort my mother concerning us while we journeyed in the wilderness up to the land of Jerusalem? Verse 7, And when we had returned to the tent of my father, behold, their joy was full, and my mother was comforted. And she spake, saying, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath commanded my husband to flee into the wilderness. Yea, I also know of a surety that the Lord hath protected my sons and delivered them out of the hands of Laban, and giving them power whereby they could accomplish the thing which the Lord hath commanded them. And after this manner of language did she speak. Um, I like hearing that such a short little little glimpse but another example of um 
her experience with the Lord and, and how he spoke to her. Um, he s- gave her something that happened, maybe a little miracle that she had been praying for, a big miracle. I shouldn't call that one a little miracle. Um, but also her, as she recognizes this, um, all of those things that she mentioned, he protected my sons, delivered them. And that's her giving that, receiving that confirmation that's probably she needed. Sometimes you need those very blatant confirmations that, nope, God is there listening to you. So that's, I think, another really cool example of that. And not to be repetitive, but to be repetitive, I love that God is persistent in that, that he won't stop until we're convinced. Um, And if it doesn't come through the words of prophets, then he's going to use experiences, family members, he's going to use our own personal experiences, whatever miracles he needs to bring about in our life. But he won't rest until we're convinced that he's there, that he loves us, and that he really is uh, the God able to provide a way for us. In fact, the concluding thought I have um, is this. Um, I have to read chapter 6, verse 4. Nephi says, The fullness of my intent as he's kind of taking a little break in his writing to write about why he's writing. It's meta-writing. Chapter 4, verse 6, or chapter 6, verse 4, The fullness of my intent is that I may persuade men to come unto the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. I had a student a couple years ago that came to me and said, I have a hard time believing the Book of Mormon because it's it's biased. Um, and it doesn't seem like it should be biased. And I said, of course it's biased. Nephi says right there, I, I'm trying to persuade you to believe in God. And so the way that he does it, at least in these chapters, is he talks about all the things that the Lord does for him and for his family. We mentioned the Lord prepares a way for us to accomplish his commandment. Um, Nephi will talk here and much more coming up and how the Lord preserves his people, how he keeps them safe. In chapter 7, he mentions multiple times, this is verse 11, that the Lord has delivered us out of the hands of Laban. Verse 17, he's delivered me from the hands of my brethren, that the Lord delivers us. Um, In our study record, for each book of scripture, we provide a brief introduction, and then we provide four questions for each book, and then, of course, the lines for you to record what you're studying and what you're learning. But there's a learn, feel, do, and become question. And the learn, feel, do, and become questions are all related to this idea of the Lord preserving and preparing us. For example, the learn question, it says, is reading the story of Nephi and his family, what do I learn about how the Lord can deliver me from my trials into his promised land? The feel question, what specific trials do I have from which I want or need the Lord to deliver me? And how do I picture his promised land for me? The do question, as I study, what do I sense the Lord wants me to do to obey his commandments and receive his promised blessings? And the become question, as I've studied First Nephi, what tender mercies or deliverance have I experienced? And how have these experiences helped me become more trusting of the Lord? Now, whether you use those questions or whether you come up with your own. Remember, the purpose of scripture study isn't just to study the scriptures. It's to help you learn, feel, do, and become. And so as you conclude this episode, and more importantly, as you conclude your own study of these chapters in 1 Nephi, you have to ask yourself these questions. So for example, if you've been learning about the way the Lord speaks to you, then that's a great thing to learn, but you shouldn't stop at the learning. Ask yourself the question, do I feel God talking to me in my daily life. We've given a couple of examples of how he does that. You'll find so many more in your personal study, but you have to ask yourself, 
Is he doing that for me? Is he talking to me through the experiences of others, through my family, through the scriptures? What's he saying? Um, What am I going to do because of what he's saying? And what is it that I can become if I consistently listen to what the Lord says to me and do what he commands me? This is fun. We're excited to be studying in the Book of Mormon. Um, Here we go. We hope you have a great week as you get to study here in these chapters. So thanks for listening and have a lovely week.